0: door. That'd be great. Philippians chapter 2. I uh, talked to a lot of our campers and uh, those that worked at camp and they all seemed to have a great time. Praise the Lord for that. And um, I know that um, except for the fatigue, I always enjoyed going to camp, Uh, but it is a long week and by the end you're ready to come home. And one of the camps we went to was way up in northern Vermont. It was like a four-hour, four and a half-hour trip home. And oh, at the end, at the end of a week of camp, you just didn't want to drive for four and a half hours. Uh, The kids didn't mind a bit because they were all (laughs) the whole ride home. So it was a quiet ride home, more than that. The only time they were quiet, right? Jim made that trip with me many, many times. Well, let's read Philippians chapter 2. We've got about two more lessons on our um, Sunday school series. We've been doing, basing it on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this morning, let's just read chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, verses 1 through 15. Then we'll have a short word of prayer and get into our Sunday school lesson. The Bible says if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye might be like minded, having the same love being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now Much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world." Let's pray Lord we ask that you would bless now our Sunday school lesson pray that you'd speak to our hearts through your word and most importantly as well by the Holy Spirit we pray Lord that you draw each of us closer to you be with our classes downstairs Lord be with each Sunday school teacher and the different students that are there Uh, be working in their lives and in their hearts as the lessons go forth we pray that if uh, throughout the day during the Sunday school hour and then the morning worship service If there be any here this day that have never received Christ as their Savior, we pray that today would be the day that they'd be saved. But thank you again for your goodness, mercy, and grace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, look on your handout, if you will. So just a couple of uh, opening comments. So critics of biblical Christianity, uh, which is what we are, not critics, but we believe in biblical Christianity. Amen. And uh, so critics of biblical Christianity have often accused us of having a flock-like mentality. We're branded sometimes as cultish and under some kind of mind control. In fact, let me just stop here. In the early days of this church, when it was just started, uh, when Pastor Ainsworth was here, there was accusations of that. Um... Anyhow, let's move on here. Neo-Orthodoxy was founded by a man by the name of Karl Barth in the early 1900s, which paved the way for existentialism. That each individual is creating truth from his own experiences rather than following the absolute word of God. Now that's not necessarily a new idea, but really a resurrected idea that reared itself throughout the centuries. For instance, 600 or so years before Jesus walked on the earth in Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah penned these words, Woe unto them that are are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. It's really what existentialism is is, is about, just making and desiring or or designing a philosophy of life with your own thinking. Or even before that, thousands of years ago, a little over a 1,000 years uh, prior to that, in the book of Judges, chapter 17, I just finished reading the book of Judges and my devotions. Twice in the book of Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And uh, we live, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, both what is penned in the book of Judges and what's in the book of Isaiah and, and elsewhere in the Scriptures, uh, it's always been true. But the idea uh, with regards to uh, of following God's word. So look again on your hand. A Barth attacked Bible believers, accusing them of worshiping a paper pope meaning the Bible. And, um, but the question has to be asked, isn't everybody controlled by someone or something? Right? Wouldn't you say that's true? Everyone is influenced Uh, Maybe influence would be better than the word controlled, but everyone is influenced by life and the experiences of life and what you come into contact with or don't come into contact with. So if you and I as Bible believers believe that it's God's Word and it's filled with His truths, then obviously then is it not beneficial to follow His Word? The opposite of that is to believe that we are right in our own eyes. So you noticed here, and we'll get into this in a minute, Quite the word mind is found uh, numerous times. But thinking things, just because you think things one way doesn't make them right. There's an old illustration that uh, I was reminded of this past week, and the illustration goes like this. There was a ship that was out at night, and it was a foggy night, and um, they saw in the distance a light. And so the captain of the ship, he told his signalman to signal this other ship. And um, he said, uh, tell him to move 10 degrees north. And so they uh, signaled, move 10 degrees north. And um, They waited for the signal to come back and the signal came back and the signal said, no, you move 10 degrees south. So the captain of the ship, he was a bit taken aback by that. He said, signal them again. He said, tell them I am a captain of this ship and they need to move 10 degrees north. So they signal them again. And then a few minutes later, they get the signal back. I'm third-class seaman. You move 10 degrees south. Huh. Well, by now, the captain of the ship, he is livid. He says, you tell them we're a battleship, and they need to move 10 degrees north. So he signals, we're a battleship. They wait a few minutes later, the signal comes back, we're a lighthouse, you need to move 10 degrees south. So the captain thought he was, you know, right, but in the end, he wasn't right. Now, I don't know if that's a true illustration. If that actually happened, probably not. Maybe it did, but I thought it was a great illustration. But that's, you know, for you and I, that's it's the word of God. That's what we that's what we're guided by. That's what we look to. And um, the truths of God's word. On your handout, I have for you 2 Corinthians 13:8. When Paul wrote this, he said this, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. What did he, what did he mean by that? Think about that for a minute. What do you think he meant by that? And I know I'm just taking one verse and, and we didn't look at the context, but just in light of what we're talking about. So Paul writing to the church in Corinth, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. What would you think about that? We can do nothing. Yes, did you have your hand up? No, you didn't have your hand up. You're, you're scratching your head. All right. Anybody like Bill wants to take a oh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, that's really it. And but he was an apostle. If you remember, the, the, the Paul numerous times had to defend his apostleship. And um, so that's what he meant. That all He said, because of the calling that God has placed, all all's I can do is preach the truth. Did you want to add to that? Well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're not going to lie the truth. And, uh, Yeah. I will get myself in trouble when I start getting
1: down there. Okay, that's fine. Don't get yourself
0: in trouble then. Yeah. The truth is fact. The truth is a the lighthouse. The truth is you can't move the truth one way or the other. So you can either be for the truth, or you have to move around it. Um, you can lead people away from it, but you, you can't really move against it. You can't change what is fact. Right. It's a fixed position. So that's why, uh, so this guy Karl Barth, what he was saying is no, it's not really a fixed position. It's, um, you know, it, whatever it means to you. You know, I've, I've been witnessing to somebody, and basically that's how they look at the Bible. You know, it, it, it's always, well, that's your interpretation. You know, this is your interpretation. And Barth was the modern-day prophet of saying, oh, we can just interpret the Bible however we want to interpret the Bible. And it has different interpretations for different people. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures, the absolutes of the Scriptures, it's an absolute truth. And and that's why we identify ourselves as Bible-believing Christians. Because we believe that God's... First of all, we believe it's God's Word, number one, and we believe that it's truth. So... This is how and why, when we think about our lives, we think about this is, this is the lighthouse, and uh, this is how we're guided. It doesn't matter what, I, what the rest of the world says. So if that's true, then, then just flip over on your, your handout, these, just these three points here, as we've been dealing with this subject the last several weeks. So if this is true, then number one, you and I need to identify this way, then we need to have a mind that is selfless. And we'll see that as we get into these verses in chapter 2. A mind that is selfless. Now before we get into that, let's talk about the spirit of the age in which we live. And Paul writes about that. On your handout, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1-4. through four, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. So let's just stop there for a minute. So the last days. When are the last days? Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> the last days. I mean, Paul's writing this almost like 2,000 years ago. Yeah, since Christ returned to heaven. We've been living in the last days for 2,000 years. So the spirit of the age hasn't really changed for 2,000 years. So let's start this verse again. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And he starts with this. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So it's certainly in many ways the spirit of the age in which we live, right? I want my rights. My demands, my agenda. Even, even sometimes. Um, I mean, in my years of ministry here, uh, I've often preached this. It's not. So, it's not what so much what the church can do for you. It's what you can do for the church. And uh, you know, it was the old Kennedy saying, who, who, who actually stole that from, um, oh. Back in the 1800s, I can't remember his name now. There was, a, there was a speech that was in that speech. Ask not what you can do for your country. No, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Okay, that wasn't original with John F. Kennedy. He found that in a, and it was a very well-known, I just can't remember his name right now. It was a very well-known speech that was given uh, over 100 years before he said that. Uh, still true, true statement. But it's the same about the church but a mind of selflessness. And uh, it it was interesting as I read this and I have it highlighted on your handout, lovers of their own selves. And then after that, it lists covetousness and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents and unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Well, someone who's a lover of pleasure more than that's a lover of God isn't selfless, they're selfish. But here we go back to the Scriptures now in chapter 2, the Spirit of Christ in verses 1 through 7. So here's what Paul writes from a Roman prison. If there be any therefore consolation in Christ of any comfort of love, of any fellowship of the Spirit, of any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So in other words, collectively, you and I as believers, this is how we're we're to function in life. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Well, listen, that's a philosophy that's contrary to everyday living. And he goes on and he says this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. A self So the spirit of the age, Timothy describes that for us. The spirit of Christ here in chapter 2. The whole idea of a selflessness. You know, and just look at chapter 3, look at verse 10 in, in, in Philippians. Paul writes this, that I may know Him, Jesus, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Well, Jesus was the ultimate example of selflessness. Amen? He went to the cross. But I thought of this this morning as I was reviewing my notes and reading the Bible. On Fridays, we have a a men's uh, prayer meeting at 6.30 in the morning here at the church. And I don't know if there's anywhere sometimes from three to, sometimes as many as six of us that come. Usually it's three or four or five. And anybody's welcome to come. Even if you don't want to pray out loud just to be part of that prayer meeting, you're more than welcome to be here. And it goes from 6.30 to 7. And then we go to, usually some of us go over to Adams, we go to breakfast to the daily grind and have a little breakfast, a little fellowship time. But I didn't know this about a year or so ago or two years ago, whenever we started going there, in Adams they have, Uh, I don't know what you'd call them, like banners on all of the light posts. And as you walk into the daily grind, right on that banner is a man by the name of John Hartledge. John Hartledge is Donna Hartledge's brother. And that banner is there because he paid the ultimate price in Vietnam. So I see that. And the selflessness, you know, when you're in the military and those who have to and had to give their lives to defend our freedoms, that's that's you know the ultimate price. But then you, you take it back to Jesus, who obviously went to the cross to die and pay for all of our sin. The selflessness of Jesus. That's the spirit that you and I are to have. And that comes not out of our own flesh, that is really the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so Paul writes to the believers there, or if you notice on your handout, Romans 15, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Romans chapter 15 is, if you went back to Romans chapter 14, that's the that's the chapter where Paul says, You know, there are some Christians that believe it's okay to eat meat. There are some Christians that believe it's not okay to eat meat. And he goes through this list. He said, Listen, he said, There's going to be certain things, basically, is what he's saying this, there's going to be certain things we disagree on. But then he finishes it all up with this We then that are strong in the faith ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So Paul teaches this spirit of... of, uh, and of course, Jesus teaches this spirit of selflessness. Pastor Ainsworth, our founding pastor, used to say this. I, I don't know if this is good or not, but I thought of this this morning as well. He used to say, even if Christianity wasn't true... You know, <laughs> Which, which of course, he would quickly say, it is. He said, even the lifestyle of a Christian would be beneficial. So, you know, the principles. And there are, by the way, some people who live out the principles of Christianity but don't believe that Jesus is and needs to be your Savior. So, that's really a false teaching. Jesus, we need to be saved. Amen? (laughs) Amen. But what he was saying was, just the principles that are taught in the Bible are good principles to live by. And uh, it's true. And and you know what? I still, I try not to be a pessimist. I think I get that from my mother. She was overly optimistic on many things. But, um, so I look at our country, and I look at everything that's wrong with our country, but I try to look at still, there are many things in our country that are still right. I was watching a ball game the other day, and I I can't remember the man's name, but he formed the organization called Tunnel to Towers when his brother was a fireman and was killed in New York City on 9-11. And they raised money to build houses for veterans, and um, they paid for the homes for families whose loved ones were killed. Not only then, but they're still doing it today. So if a fireman or a policeman is killed in the line of duty uh, and he leaves a widow and children behind, they'll pay off the mortgage. I think that's still part of the Judeo-Christian roots in this country. You understand what I'm saying? So it's so easy to be so pessimistic about everything that you might find is wrong there are still many things about our nation that are right. And uh, by the way, that's why there are thousands and thousands of people crossing the border. And I know, the legal, illegal thing, that's a whole other thing, okay? But why do, you think, why do you think they're crossing, they're not crossing the borders into Russia. <laughs> they're crossing the community of the United States. And I'm all for law and order, don't get me wrong. But you understand what I'm saying? That's why they come here. Anyhow, I'll move on. That was my little political thing for, for this morning. The second thing on your, second point on your handout is a mind of service. That's the spirit of Christ. Amen. That was the spirit of the apostles. He said in the second part of chapter two and verse seven, uh, or, 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 let me look back at my notes, uh, the spirit of Christ 7b. So verse seven, but he made himself of no reputation, Oh, here it is. And he took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. what well, Jesus was. He came to be a servant. That's what you and I need to be. We need to be servants. All of you that either went to camp this past week or have been to camp in previous years as counselors or cooks, you went to serve. And I had some good reports about you, Adam. You were like the Pied Piper at camp with the juniors. Marching those kids around. Ethan said put a megahorn in his hand. And uh, I mean, he's just unstoppable. So good for you. I'm going to give you a shout out. All right? It's all right. Made me proud. Good for you. But thank you for those of you that went. I've done that, I think it was 23 years I went to camp. And... Um, it's tiring. For me, though, it wasn't a sacrifice. For some of you, maybe, not, maybe none of you that went this time, but I know in the other years, some that volunteered, they lose a week's worth of work. I'm going to give a shout-out to Jim Atherton. For the amount of years that he went to camp, he almost has lost a, y- a half a year's salary. He didn't get paid every week he'd go. And he went almost, or about as many years as I did, 20-something, 20 20-something, 20 right? Now, ah, just let me tell the story, all right? <laughs> let me build you up. But, he, but literally, he, a half a year of salary to go to camp and help at camp. And um, servants, servants, serving in the church, just being servants, serving people, just being servants, be quiet, just being servants. <laughs> Tell me afterwards. I'm going to run out of time. <laughs> Jim and I have known each other a long time. And, uh, you know, I'll give you another shout out, Jim. For about 10 or 12 years, we did a spaghetti dinner every Wednesday night. Brother Jim came in every Wednesday night and cooked dinner. One of our young men that just went back to college came the last several years, he comes and he cuts the grass, takes care of the, the property. Just serves the Lord any way that he can. Just being a servant. The local church should be a place where people can serve, and to serve the Lord. And our lives, whether it's in church or outside of church. Um, the mind of Christ on your handout. Jesus said this, Luke fourteen eleven. For whosoever exalteth himself should be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It's the parable of the Great Supper. Now that's the parable, if you remember, where there was a wedding feast and Jesus said, well, if there's a wedding feast, don't take the upper rooms, take the lower rooms. If they invite you to the upper rooms, okay. But just take the lower room. And then he followed that up with, in the same parable, the supper. He says, don't call your friends or your neighbors to the supper. It's not that he doesn't want you to have supper with your friends and neighbors. He says, call the poor, the maimed, the less fortunate. That's a mind of service. Now the spirit of the age, 1 Corinthians, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And then that text in verse 16 ends, we have, or we ought to have, the mind of Christ. So, again, thank you for all those that served at camp this past week. Appreciate the efforts. And thank you for all of you that serve here in a local church. And just serve the Lord whenever you can. But that takes a mind of selflessness, it takes a mind of service. And then, lastly, that takes a mind of submission. So, the spirit of the age is a non submissive mind. Luke 19 says, but his citizens, this is the parable of the 10 pounds, but his citizens, so if you don't know that parable, the nobleman goes into a far country, he goes and he leaves, that, he leaves his possessions there, he takes the 10 servants, he gives them each 10 pounds, he said, I'm going to return, do something with this. So he does return. And when he does return, if you remember, uh, in that in that parable, though that's where I have here listed for you, Luke 19. But his citizens hated him, sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Well, that's the spirit of the age that we live in. People don't want Christ in their life. They don't want to serve. They, they don't want... They have their own agenda. And we're running out of time, so I can't get into any more of, the, of that parable. But the spirit of Christ... The spirit that we see here in our text where um, the Bible says in verse 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So We see the example of Christ and he wants for you and I to have that example. James said this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. So let me just finish with this thought here. So we're talked about the mind of selflessness. We've talked about the mind of service, but then the mind of submission. In other words, you have to implement... You have to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, right? You have to do do these things. So an opportunity arose this week. So I'm out running around the other day, and I'm down at the gas station down the street here, and I'm getting some gas. And a woman pulls in, middle-aged woman, I guess, and she comes out and and she, I did notice she had Connecticut plates on. She's kind of frantic. And she calls over to me. She said, excuse me, sir, 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 can I speak with you? Can I speak with you? And I said, well, what's up? She said um, she was a, um, a home health care worker. She had driven all the way up here from Connecticut. She looked like a home health care worker. You know, she had the whole outfit on. She said... My credit card isn't working. I don't have enough gas to get back to Connecticut. She said, I'll give you my license. I'll send you the money. Just get just if you could give me enough gas to get back to Connecticut. So I finished, I said, all right, hold on a second. Let me just fill up, you know, finish my car. And so I went over to her car. And, um, you know, she began to talk about her son. They needed food, da-da-da. I said, well, I don't have any cash to give you for food. I said, but let me help you out with gas. Now, full disclosure, you helped her out with gas. Because I used the church credit card. So I don't don't want to pat myself on the back here like I made some great sacrifice. But anyhow, I put the gas pump in. She started, I'll give you my I don't need your license, I said. I'm just gonna take care of you here. And then I began to witness to her. I figured. What an opportunity to share the love of Christ with her. Well, come to find out, make a long story short. I've already made it long, probably. <laughs> she was a believer. She was born again. And we talked about several things. And um, so the, the car started to fill up. I think I'd put 20 or $25. Stop, she said, stop. Don't put any more in. I said, no, no, no. I said, let me fill your tank for you. And her tank was empty. It was like a $60. It was a little economy car, $60, $65 bill. Well, I guess the point of that is we're going to find ourselves. We can, I can teach you these lessons out of the Bible about having a mind of selflessness, a mind of service. But the mind of submission is when the opportunity arises, you have to go ahead and do it. And uh, that's what Paul is reminding us and Jesus is teaching us. That's part of having the mind of Christ. It's all about others. It's not about ourselves or our agenda or our demands or our rights. It's about others. So be mindful of that. And the woman was, what a blessing, she said. What a blessing. I said, well, I'm glad I was a blessing, sister. And she smiled when I said that. And um, she she didn't know who I was. Quite frankly, I just believe, you know, God governs the affairs of in this world. I think just the Lord just brought her into my path because the Lord, I guess, knew. You know, a lot of people would say, ah, get lost, you know, get lost. Um, and some people, well, that's just a scam. She's just, ah, well, if it was, oh, well. <laughs> I don't think it was, but you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, it took a lot for her, I'm sure, to come up to somebody, a total stranger, and say, can you help me out? Can you help me out? And so God puts these opportunities in our path, and uh, you know, got to do what the Lord's told us to do. And, and uh, she, she's a church goer. I'm sure. I'm uh, I'm sure she'll share that share that story, and maybe at some point down the line, she'll have the opportunity to do the same for somebody else. Yeah, that's our Sunday school lesson for today. Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. Thank you again for your goodness to us and your mercy and grace. Help us to have the mind of Christ, to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.